Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Just before we begin this episode, I just want to take a moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast, which is Steroplast Healthcare Limited. Steroplast Healthcare Limited, setting the standards across the seven sectors. If you don't already know of them, get onto their website, www.steroplast.co.uk, to look at some of the great products that they do. We've got the boxing wraps, the Sterotape Zinc Oxide Tape, We've also got the Sterotape Premium and the Sterotape K. Now, we've got World Fight using this tape. We've got local fighters, including Charlie Schofield, Ben Sheedy, Jimmy Kelly, Callum Cook. They're all using this tape at the moment. And Steroplast are getting around to all the boxing gyms. And you will be able to purchase these items from steroplast.co.uk. Uh, get over to that website, have a look, because the Sterotape and the Stink Oxide Tape aren't the only things that they actually do. They do provide equipment for emergency rooms, for hospitals, uh, other sports. They produce items for vets, uh, medical surgeries, GPs, first aid, defibrillators, things of that nature. So they're not just all about the Sterotape and the boxing wraps. Get yourself over there and have a look. www steroplast.co.uk Welcome to Beyond the Ropes a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat the place for the Northwest and boxing news news, reviews and interviews here's your host Sean Basso Welcome to episode number 26 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Basto here, your host as always, joined by Cahill Jennings. Cahill, I've got you on the line. It's great to have you back on again this week. Let's talk about a lot of the stuff that's gone on this past weekend, some of the uh, quite interesting fights that we've had, and then it's quite quiet this week for boxing. We've just been talking about it just before we started recording, like how quiet boxing's gone this past, say, seven days. Uh, there's a lot of announcements, obviously, that we can talk about later on, uh, and an interesting little segment that I'm going to bring in later on down the line which we're going to celebrate St Paddy's Day and we're going to do it 
Irish style, and we're going to talk about Irish fighters later on in the podcast. So I think that's going to be a good feature to talk about uh, in this episode. But first of all, how are you doing? How's your weekend been? Yeah, it's been good. We had some really good fights when we thought that, well, maybe when it came to Scott Quigg that we thought we wouldn't get a fight, but um, ended up probably being fight of the weekend. So some good fights. A little bit quiet this weekend, but after this weekend, it really kicks off and uh, we won't be struggling for anything to talk about then. Absolutely not, no. This is a bit of a lull this weekend for us, but we'll try and make this as uh, as best of an episode that we can. So let's get straight into the last week's action. You just mentioned it there, Cahill. Scott Quigg wasn't expecting much of a fight, but actually we got a really great fight, I, w- I would say so myself, with this one. I, th- I thought... With Quig, you know, for me, I wasn't expecting him to win. I wanted him to win because he's he's local in terms of where he comes from in the northwest, and he's a Berry lad. And I I would have wanted him to win, but I can't. I kind of think that the back the back of my mind, I kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen. But he, he proved once again in this fight with Valdez, even though he lost the fight, he's got such a big heart. And such a big heart, and he's got such a chin on him as well. You know, some of the shots that he took, uh, and Valdez as well. Obviously, we'll discuss that matter in a minute. But with Quig, some of the shots that he took, and you know, the state of his face after the fight, he looked like the guy from Star Trek. You know, the brown alien guy with his face. (laughs) (laughs) His face was all swollen up, and if you see social media the next day, he's got the biggest pair of shiners you've ever seen. But, you know, fair play to him. He, he tried. He come up short. And for me now, th- this just kind of shows that I think Quigg is, 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 although he's been a world champion at a lower weight division, I just can't see him becoming a world champion at this weight division. And I can't see him, you know, un- unless some sort of fringe world title becomes vacant and, and a lesser opponent, you know, with no disrespect, to any of them but a lesser opponent comes on the scene and he might have an opportunity to to get another title I just can't see him beating any of the big boys in the division now but talk about that fight Cahill you know what did you make of it well it was a fight that I wasn't expecting much after after the weigh-in and all that and the kind of build-up to the fight was kind of soured and the, the thing that surprised me most was was Quig missing weight one thing that I always associate with um with Quig is is being pretty one of the most professional um, boxers in British boxing, but um, we found out that he had a, a stress fracture in his foot um, in this camp, so he couldn't uh, couldn't give it his all. It was one of them that it was we saw the best of Valdez. We saw how good he is. His footwork, pick shots well, has a has a has a chin on him as well. Broke his jaw. Scott Quay comes out with. He looks like one of the avatars because his his face is just. <laughs> it was it was it was a pure war. I think Quig maybe not. Will he capture a world title again? Hope I think he's he's endeared himself to the American fans because he went over there injury in his foot, his nose. I think they said went in the sixth round, but he lasted another six rounds. That must have been so so painful. And I think listening to an interview with Eddie Hearn today, who said that he went to the corner and asked um, Freddie Roach if he needs to think about this, should he should he pull him? And um, he. Scott Quigg, when Freddie when Freddie Roach said, I, I, "I might pull you out," he said, "No, don't you dare!" Shows the spirit that Scott Quigg has, and he's—I think he's only endeared himself to American fans. But really, got to see how good Oscar Valdez is. The only thing is, those kind of fights you can't keep having them. It's just going to put miles on your clock very, very quickly. And 
Scott Quigg could maybe get a chance at maybe Elisa Elby or something like that. And those kind of fights, I think, in in terms of weight for Quigg, it doesn't really matter anymore in terms of weight because I think he wants, I think he wants the big fights. I don't know if he's made a lot of money in his career. I'm sure he's comfortable, but I'm sure he's coming towards the point where he's kind of going, I want to make those kind of life changing money fights. And he's Eddie Hearn sounds like he wants to get him back over in America. He's obviously impressed, and Eddie Hearn has big plans over in America. But I was just really impressed with Oscar Valdez, and you don't know how long he's going to be out of ring missing teeth. His his job. Jaw, um, he's not. He didn't come out of it unscathed, even though he came out with the win. And those kind of fights, they they do kind of. It'd be one he'd be feeling for a long time. And and the same goes for Quig. One of them, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Valdez uh, continue on. He he's a he's a brilliant fighter. And Quig was just in with a better fighter on the night, but he gave it his all. And I and though we didn't know prior to the weigh in that there was an injury there, it just seemed very unprofessional. And he didn't want the second day weigh in, and it kind of it sounded all a bit kind of muddy. And you kind of went, well, that doesn't that's not what I associate with Scott Quigg. But we found out the truth after, if that is the truth. But um, he he put in a great performance for for how he was feeling. And it was one of them. He really impressed me. Didn't think he'd had him have it in him when I seen his face because his face just looks it's 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 horrible. I've broken my nose before, and it's not fun. But that just looks a few levels above. His forehead was all swollen. As you said, Sean, his eyes the next day, I'd say he's still feeling that and probably feel it for a long time. He's done himself no, done himself no, uh, no damage in terms of his career because I think his stock rose. I think he did make weight. A lot of people kind of went, ah, I'm, not, I'm not having this. And then when he puts in that performance, when you do find out the truth, I think Scott Quigg comes out of this well and I think Oscar Valdez comes out even better. You know, I was looking at that, that you, you didn't think before the fight that Quigg had be the sort of guy to miss weight because he's always been a consummate professional and when he missed the weight and I seen it and I was like mm, this is a bit strange quick missing weight he never he never misses weight and I was like right okay obviously they weren't going to talk about a stress fracture at that point so the next day I goes on Twitter and I see he's oh he's refusing to do the the same day away and I'm thinking to myself what's going on here you know it, like you said it seemed it seemed a bit muddy it seems like something's going on something's not right here and uh, there was a funny picture going around uh, Twitter with um, someone had zoomed in on Eddie Hearn's face looking at Scott Quigg when he was doing the weigh-in uh, and there was there was for loads of fantastic captions about him coming over to America for this and it was it was such a great capture whoever got that picture was great <laughs> but on a serious note you never thought he would have missed the weight. In hindsight, now when you hear the interview, uh, I don't know if you heard it actually, Carl. Did you? Do you hear the interview that um, Eddie Hearn had with? Is it Steve Kim, the American journalist? It was quite a quite a challenging yeah, interview. The back and forth they had, and Eddie Hearn held his own. But the journalist asked questions. I can't remember. Was it Steve Steve Ward or something like that? Oh, Steve. But Kim. it was one that he kind of he just seemed genuinely pissed off with the whole situation. Kind of that. That's what it meant when he kind of it seemed a bit muddy that he wouldn't do the second day weigh in after not making weight. You kind of go, would you not kind of would you not make or at least do the second day weigh in? You didn't make weight, so so what's the point here? Like, and Quig said he wasn't doing it, and then I think a lot of if a lot of people listen to Eddie Hearn's interview, and I think you'll get the full story then. And Scott Quig hasn't his career he, himself. He's done he's done himself no no damage in my eyes. I think went out there, he put on a great performance, didn't come out with the win, but the Eddie Hearn one, he's glad to stand his ground, but. He got put on him and he did look a little bit uncomfortable, but he's going to be over in America a lot now with Matchroom USA. So I think those journalists want a bit, want a piece of him. And I think those kind of, uh, those kind of um, back and forth is something we're going to get used to seeing with Eddie Hearn and the American journalism. 
Yeah, it was. It was, it, well, it was. You know what, Carl? It was good. It was good to see him be challenged like that. You know, in that way, because over here in the UK, he's 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 kind of like the top bollocks, isn't he? Basically, he's the guy that talks the talk. He's a modern day Del Boy Trotter. It's as simple as that. He knows how. He's taken his word, and he's not really pushed on things. So it's kind yeah. of like, oh, well, that must be the truth. So it was good to see it kind of be put on him a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree, and, and and it was good. It was good to watch. I mean, I managed to catch it. I didn't actually know about the interview, and I just kind of stumbled across the many interviews that you do get on social media these days and that was one that I really enjoyed watching because I thought you know this guy's really challenging here you know he's asking questions of him and, and Eddie Earns backed into a corner and he's got to answer him and he came out of it really well to be fair he gave her the honest answer and he gave us justification for why these weighing, this second day weighing didn't happen why he missed the weight in the first place and like you said Scott Quigg comes out of it with stock risen essentially so he, he should get a good, another good fight but we're talking now about Oscar Valdez and, and how good Oscar Valdez was on the night because he got a categorical really good decision over Scott Quigg whilst when, when you look back at the fight and you think yeah it was it looks closer than what it was on the scorecards but when you look at how accurate uh, and, and the punch perfect well I say punch perfect I mean he picked his shots really well that's what Valdez did he got the more quality shots and he did that with no t- <laughs> missing teeth and a broken jaw that that I've got to give credit to the guy for that uh, you know Scott Quigg did it but I think who did he do it against Scott Quigg he, did he um, he broke his jaw against Frampton didn't he I think it was and he went through the fight and, and, and managed to get through to the end and obviously Ricky Burns has done it in the past as well as we've as we've talked about previously so to, to be able to go through a full you know near enough a full fight or at least half of a fight with a broken jaw you know credit to them where he's due they, they do it for a they do it to earn a lot of money they do it to win world titles and they also do it to please the fans and they certainly I think they please the fans and you said it was the fight of the weekend I totally agree with you it was the fight of the week it was a really good entertaining fight and one thing that <laughs> made me laugh on another side note was um, the fact that they were all wearing ponchos at ringside I didn't realise it was in some sort of outdoor stadium where yeah, it's so yeah, he was pissing it down. I just kept on seeing all the way. And then at one point, it was Eddie Hearn jumping out of his seat, and his poncho was just a sight to see. It was hilarious. It was um, it was good. It was a good. It was a good show. It was good. It was a good, interesting one. But now we just got to sort of see where Valdez and Quig both go in their respective careers. Now I'm hoping to see Valdez back because I, I, I really enjoyed watching him. But I also, you know, thought Quig put on a really good effort, and I'd like to see him in some in some good domestic fights now, I think. Yeah, 100%, and I think there's it's bubbling away nicely, and Scott Quigg is still a name, and after we seen the other night, but you just don't know, those kind of fights, as you said, he's had a broken jaw, now a very badly looking broken nose, stress fracture, stress fac- fracture in the foot. Is he going to be willing to kind of, I think for, he's with Freddie Roach now, and it hasn't gone off to the best start, but he, he he's done himself... He's done himself well in terms of putting the performance in he did. Is, is making weight going to be an issue now? Is is injury going to be an issue? But still a big name in that in, in, in and around those divisions. Maybe the, the Frampton fight, there's the Galahad fight, maybe the Selby, who knows, the Warrington. They're all in around those weights and probably fights money-wise that people would like to see. I don't think you're going to see Scott Quigg in, in, in a boring fight. I think he's going to give it his all every time now because for me his stock has risen because that was one of them... During the week, as I said to you, I, 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 I saw, I saw Val, Valdez possibly stopping him. The other night, Quig looked like he'd, he'd, he'd go on forever if he was able to, but it, it was one of them that Valdez comes out looking really well and hopefully the jaw isn't badly, too badly broken. But really looking forward to see what he pushes on for and maybe is there is there unification fights out there for him as well because he, he doesn't look like he could be in a boring fight if he tried. 
No, no, agree. Uh, I look forward to seeing whether that would be a potential opponent for Frampton in the future. That would be a good one, wouldn't it? Valdez against Frampton, yeah. that would be a, de- that'd be a tear up and a half if that happens. But let's move on because another good fight over the weekend that I was really looking forward to and you was really looking forward to was obviously Mikey Garcia returning to the ring against a relatively unknown Sergei Lipinets. And I've got to correct myself now because I listened to the podcast after, you know, after we do the editing on it and I heard myself say, oh, well, you know, Sergei Lipinets uh, at the time you corrected me during the podcast actually I didn't realise that Lipinets was the champion at the time and I was like when I listened back to it I was like bloody hell yeah he's, he's the champion he's the guy even though he's you know 13 and 0 at the time he's the guy with the belt you know Mike Garcia is the one that's got to come and take it but as you said he was kind of feeding him to the dogs a little bit but you know what he put on a really really good performance to Lipinets' credit although he lost the fight ultimately again like you just said about Quig Lipinets' stock has risen dramatically I think after that performance because he hit Mikey Garcia with some bombs and although Mikey Garcia didn't flinch and didn't go anywhere and Lipinets has said it on social media afterwards he was very surprised by that it was really good to see someone putting it on Mikey Garcia the way Mikey Garcia puts it on his opponents now obviously Mikey Garcia gets the victory. Great uh, knock- knockdown in the seventh round, I think it was. Great left hook, counter left hook uh, on the back foot. Really, really great shot from Mikey Garcia. And he's just showing again why people are, are excited to see him in a big fight. And we're going to talk about his weight division a little bit later on in the show due to the announcement uh, of two potential opponents for Mikey Garcia. But I was really impressed with both of the fighters in this fight. It wasn't a dull fight. They really give it their all. I just thought Garcia was a bit too more accurate and powerful for Lippinets but I think Lippinets now he could definitely come again that's for sure he's he's, he's still earlier on in his career he's still fresh He's been beaten by a very, very good fighter, and uh, you know we might even he might even become a, a, a legend. He's a four weight world champion now, Mikey Garcia, four weight world champion. You know that says it all to me, really. He's going to go down as a legend, so you can't really argue with being beat to someone like that. What did you think of the, the Garcia fight? Then did you catch it? Obviously, the following morning. Yeah, no, it was it was another one of them where Lipnitz was for me he was kind of an unknown. I knew he was the champion, but really impressed me. He 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 could take what Garcia was dishing out and Garcia could take what he was dishing out. It was a really, really good fight. Uh, it took Lipnitz a, a while to get going, but Garcia for me is probably up there. He's he's in my top five and if not number one of just fighters I love watching at the moment. He's so exciting. He can take a shot, he can give a shot. He's thirty eight and oh he's Four weight world champion, and the only at those weights 126, 130, 135, 140 to be a world champion. The only other two that have done that is Pacquiao and Marquez, so he's in good company there. So he's he's on the cusp of the big fights. To, as you say, we'll talk about it later in the show, but he's he's gone he's going on to that next level. But certainly, Dimplitz is one of them that I think we're going to be seeing more of now. A, re- a really good fight, and I didn't think it would go down the way it did. I, I expected Garcia to win perhaps on points, I thought he would stop him. Was one of them that kind of coming out show for Lipnitz that he might have lost the world title, but he he's put his name on the map and is going to be in some really big fights. And wouldn't be surprised if he does pick up a world title again because he has a chin and he he, he coped with Garcia in terms of his power. It's just Garcia is very patient. He picks his shots really really well. And what what goes for him is unfortunately maybe not to pay, he may not be a pay per view draw at the moment. But we see him having Golovkin. He builds up a huge record, but just knocking people out and just just having a great winning record. I think Garcia is doing that now. Outside, I'd say in the UK, if you ask a lot of, of, of so-called boxing fans who Mike Garcia is, they might struggle to pick him out, but he's he's on the cusp of those big fights and he's a four-weight world champion and 
38 now it speaks for itself and he's going to be in those big fights probably coming up i'd say 2018 it will have a huge fight at some point i wouldn't be surprised if it was the winner lomachenko and lanares and for me if it was lomachenko and garcia that's that's the biggest fight possibly after after wilder and joshua for me that would be probably the biggest fight or maybe third after tyson and joshua or fury and joshua sorry but he looked really well he he's apparently such a nice guy away from the ring you read stories that after the fight he was flying to uh, i think it was somewhere in south america to to do charity work so he has the backstory there looks the part and he can fight so it, he, he's a pay-per-view star waiting to be made into a pay-per-view star he just needs the right back and the right people to push him and if he was in the uk and he had that record and he had that backstory you guarantee people be all over maybe on every pay-per-view show so we just he's just getting to that point now where he needs to be pushed in the right direction because he's going to make he's going to make a lot of pay-per-view numbers if he's pushed right because he's so exciting limpnitz himself he said he could he was surprised that garcia could live with it he has a chin and i put i, I put garcia and lamachenko next if that's the way it's going to go because that's the fight i think both of them need i think lamachenko needs it garcia needs it and that's all if lamachenko comes through the Lares. Lares isn't over the hill yet but there's Whatever the opponent comes out for Garcia, it's all exciting. But at the moment, Mike Garcia is probably the number one fighter I'd like to watch because he's so he's so exciting. And I think if anyone who doesn't know Mike Garcia yet, like it's one of them that you need to get watching and you need to watch his previous fights because this guy's going to be in some huge fights and you want to know his backstory and you want to see his previous fights because he he's going to be up there as pound for pound number one or number two. It, it, there's, there's no doubt about that. Well, this is it. With Mikey Garcia for me, he's like he's taken he's taken over a mantelpiece that has been he's taken over a void that's been left there really to be honest and there's quite a few people vying to trying to fill, try and fill that void with like people like Lomachenko like you say and he's got the he's got the gravy train behind him Lomachenko that's the difference you know even though he's had a lot less fights because of his amateur background and he, you know he's he's stinting the Olympics he's got all that backing so he's the one that everybody's talking about in that division him and obviously Linares and now Mikey Garcia. Everyone needs to be talking about Mikey Garcia for me because he's the one that everybody needs to be looking looking out for because he's the one that I think could dominate this division. I think he could beat everyone in this division. I genuinely believe that. So I'm making an early prediction. Back in the 2018, if we see Garcia Lomachenko, I'm saying it now. I do think Garcia beats beats the likes of Lomachenko and Aris, people like that. And I think he does go on. And I think he moves up a weight at some point as well. And I think he could potentially be a five-weight world champion. He could be in the in in with the likes of you know people like Oscar De La Hoya and, and Pacquiao, like you say, who have won multiple world titles in multiple weight divisions. And he's one that just doesn't get the credit. He deserves, and like you said earlier, unless you're a, a, a more of a, a, a hardcore boxing fan in the UK, you don't really know who Mikey Garcia is because he's never been over here, never really been spoke about in this division. Nobody's really hyped him up, and unless you follow certain social media channels, or you know, like I said, you're more of a hardcore boxing fan where you'll watch pretty much anything that's on as long as it's boxing. You don't really know who Mikey Garcia is, so. For people that listen to the podcast, I'm sure the people that listen to this podcast, most of them are quite avid boxing fans anyway, so they'll probably know who he is, to be fair. But if, you, if you're listening and you don't really know who Mikey Garcia is, get on YouTube, get, get watching some of his fights, like Cahill said, because I tell you what, you will not be disappointed. This is the guy that you're watching, you think, where's this guy been hiding? Why have we not seen any more of this guy? I'm really looking forward to seeing what 2018 does hold for Mikey Garcia and 2019 of course because he's still young enough even though he's had 38 fights 
he's still, in my eyes, fresh enough to go for a good another couple of years and, and another few big fights. So, Mikey Garcia, get watching him, guys. Great fighter. Probably going to be a legend. Get on YouTube, get watching him. Moving on, let's look at the other fight that, that I kind of picked out for last weekend's action. I can try and get his name right now. Rancis Barthelme. I think it's Rancis Barthelme. Uh, I've been reading Barthelme, but I'm reading it again. Barthelme, I'm going with that. He was fighting Kirill Relic over the weekend, uh, and we expected a Barthelme win, but we didn't get that. We got a Kirill Relic win over 12 rounds, and he's now become the WBA super lightweight champion. And it was a pretty dominating performance as well. So this was the rematch that we talked about last week, where we'd not initially seen the first fight, I did lock it up after the podcast and I did watch the fight and it was quite a, a, quite a good fight and you could kind of see before watching the second fight that maybe Relic had this guy's number and, and it, it proved to be the case on fight night on Saturday night because Relic completely bossed that fight and he, you know he, he when I when I seen him fight Ricky Burns a few a few years ago oh, I think it was two one or two years ago I thought he's just another guy who's coming over who's got a bit of a padded record and Burns is going to beat him, and Burns did beat him. He had a bit of a tough night, Burns, but he beat him, and I didn't think I'd see this guy again, let alone see him win a a crown in the lightweight division, but yet he's gone in there and beat somebody who's a Cuban prospect, more than a Cuban prospect, to be fair. He's a big contender, and obviously he's got a a brother as well, twin brother, who's also got a decent record as well at the moment, so it's just something I wasn't expecting, to be honest, and then I watched the fight Sunday morning, put it on my list of fights to watch from from the Saturday night, and I was really impressed with Relic. I thought it was a really good performance from him. He's now the super lightweight champion now, so he's put himself in line for some great fights. Potentially Super lightweight division. Could, could there be a rematch with Ricky Byrne? Could there be an avenue for Ricky Byrne to go down there? Or could we see someone like Crawler in with Relic? You know, he's obviously, you know, could he move up and go for that title? I mean, we've not heard much about Crawler. We could talk about him uh, in another podcast, but there's potential for people like that. Terry Flanagan, who's obviously fighting Maurice Hooker for the vacant, uh, I think it's the WBO, in a couple of weeks in April. This could be a fight for him in the future as well. So, going back to you, Cahill, again, you, I'm sure you managed to catch this one over the weekend, probably Sunday, I would imagine. How, how did you find this one? Surprising. But when I read up on the first fight, apparently it was very controversial and one of the most controversial fights in 2017. So, one that kind of slipped my gaze during 2017. But Relic was dominant throughout. He His work rate was nowhere near matched by Bartholomew because one of the stats i seen, the... He that relic threw over twelve hundred um, shots compared to just under five hundred by Bartelomew, and that's that just shows that he, who was going to win the fight. I'm not saying Bartelomew didn't go out to win the fight, but it's one of them. If you put the work in, maybe relic knew had his number. He knew what he needed to do. Up his work rate, keep busy, and keep on him. And that and that and that's what he did. He dominated it for me. And I'd like to see the first fight. I have to say, unfortunately, I haven't seen the first one. Yeah, it's it's one of them that slips under the radar. And now that Relic's a world champion, you won't know once again if you're not a, uh, if you're just a kind of you like boxing and you listen to boxing boxing podcast. Relic could be one of them that if he gets matched matched with a British fighter, then you'd be like, oh, he's fighting for a world title. I didn't know Relic had a world title. I didn't know who Relic was. Yeah. I knew who Relic was from the Ricky Burns fight. And Burns did have a tough night with him, but Burns sometimes put himself in tough fights when he didn't really need to. But um, it's one of those, you probably see the third fight between those two because it just states that if you fight twice, there's a winner in each one. You need to have the you need to have the, the third fight to kind of settle it all. So, but if the, if it goes anyway, it like it did the other night, it's just another shutout. And, and Relic, he comes out with a world title and 
maybe perhaps Eddie Hearn be interested in in bringing Crawler up, or maybe Terry Flanagan and Frank Warren was it was looking for a kind of um, wouldn't say one of the, it, it's not one of the big names, and it's a chance of getting a world title. Let's put it that way. It's not one of the the world beaters. So excited to see what happens next with Relic and excited to see who his next opponent would be. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Barthelemy again, but if Barthelemy's promoters have anything to say, I don't think he'd be putting him in with Relic again because it's just pressure that beat him the other night. He, uh, his work rate wasn't there and he just beat him to the punch in the every time. And, and Relic looked really good to me and he put in a performance that deserved to, to, to come out with a world title. Yeah, well, this is it. And you just pointed something out there about the fact that Relic is a guy that's not well known he's a guy that has now got a world title and there's a lot of British fighters uh, in in that particular division that are potential opponents for Relic in the future and I'm sure when that result came through I reckon people like Frank Warren Eddie Irma licking their lips at this one thinking we've got, we've got fighters in our stables here that are on the cusp of either being a world champion or already world champions or whatever and we can we can get this fight we can get him over here we can give him some good good payday for this because I'm sure they'll, they'll be able to stump up some good payday for Relic to come over and I'm pretty sure Relic will come over again for it to be honest with you especially when he knows now he's the champion he's the one that can call the shots essentially in, in getting the extra money to support his family and, and to live the lifestyle he wants to live so this is a great opportunity for Relic and I'm really pleased because I, I, I'm the one of them type of guys I, I, I actually thought when I first saw Relic against Ricky Burns thought it's just another European punch bag <laughs> I thought it was just another guy who's got a padded record he's beat a load of a load of kebab shop fighters from you know over in in Eastern Europe but he wasn't that and you could see from the Burns fight he had something when he got this got this win over Barthelemy at the weekend you know it made me really sit up and think about like where this guy's going to go and, and it's probably likely that he might either go for the third fight if they pay him enough to do a third fight or whether they'll come over here and he'll do like a Terry Flanagan flight. I was talking about Crawler moving up. I don't know whether Crawler will move up, to be honest with you. I think he'll probably stay where he is for now. But Flanagan's a definite possibility, for sure. If he beats Maurice Hooker, gets the WBO title, that's the that's the WBA title that Relic's just won. I'm sure Frank Warren will would love to try and get that fight on uh, in Manchester or down at the O2. But the problem... With Terry Flanagan, as much as he's a great fighter, slightly avoided at times, I would say, he doesn't sell as many tickets as people like your Anthony Crawlers because he's got, he's got the story behind him of, of the incident, which has made him into more of a boxing celebrity. So Flanagan doesn't sell as much. He doesn't sell as well, which is a shame, really. Because Flanagan, Flanagan relic down in the copper box it wouldn't sell out if that was the main event, which is so unfortunate because Terry Flanagan's a great fighter but doesn't have... He hasn't been, for me, they haven't promoted him well. He hasn't got the profile that someone of with his record and having... Like having he had a world title for a, a, a long while. A lot of people, again, if he, you, they couldn't pick him out from a crowd of boxers, which is so unfortunate. And I think, for me, Frank Warren's dropped the ball a little bit on that one. But if he did want to kind of... Get get Flanagan back up there and uh, fighting for a title. I think Relic would be the would be the perfect opponent for. Him. Yeah, well, let's move on. Let's talk about some of the other stuff. I want to sort of break this episode up today because we've not got a great deal to talk about in terms of this weekend coming up. So I'm going to leave that more later on in the show. And there's a couple of little bits and bits of stuff that I want to go through. The feature that I brought into the episode last week, which I'm going to continue to bring in, and it's a boxing history one again. It's an on this day. So it's the 13th of March today as we record this episode. And there were two that popped up today that I looked at, which I found really interesting. And I want to talk a little bit about them or the fighters that are involved in them. First one was Floyd Patterson. He defended 
defended the heavyweight title when there was only one heavyweight title uh, on the 13th of March 1961 with a sixth round knockout of Ingemar Johnson. And you know what was interesting about that particular fight? Both fighters were knocked down in the opening round, yet Patterson went on to beat Ingemar Johnson in the sixth. And I've found the footage on YouTube of it, and if anyone that listens to the podcast loves a bit of boxing history and, and likes to go back and look at these old fights, I'd give this one a recommend as well, because it was actually a really good fight. And this was the era before Muhammad Ali came. You know, 1961, people like Floyd Patterson's and your Sonny Liston's floating around. They were the types of guys that everybody were looking at back in the early 60s before Cassius Clay, Allah. Muhammad Ali came along and your Joe Frazier's and your George Foreman's. So that's my first one. And then my second one, funnily enough, is Muhammad Ali, or at this point in time, Cassius Clay. Uh, in 1963, on the 13th of March, he beat a fella by the name of Doug Jones. Now, what was interesting about this particular fight was that Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, was very fresh at this time, very green in, into boxing, as they would say. And he actually... Uh, struggled with this particular fight. You, again, you can find footage on YouTube for this one. And an interesting fact about it was a lot of the ringside journalists scored the fight to Jones, although Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay was given the decision, which we've talked about judges' scorecards uh, in, in the recent weeks and uh, on a couple of the episodes. We know how, um, how at times they can be seemingly a bit dodgy, I think is the politest word I can put for them. But yeah, there are two, two that popped up today, which I found really, really interesting. Carl, I'm going to come back to you and change the topic of conversation from what we usually talk about and talk about a little bit of this boxing history. These particular fighters, uh, Floyd Patterson, Ingemar Johnson, obviously Muhammad Ali, no one can mistake that guy. What Did, did you follow any heavyweight boxing back in the 60s? And, and you know, was there any particular fighters that were your favourites back then? Well, Muhammad Ali is always one that will always stick out. And I think that just sticks out because pure pop culture and everything like that. It's not just boxing. He transcended kind of modern modern life back then. And he was more than just was more than just a fighter. And if you, if you the fight that you can watch on YouTube was apparently his... Uh, his toughest fight, and not a lot of people know the name Doug Jones, but it's 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 a fight that I haven't seen the fight myself, but just reading up on it, it sounds like um yeah, dodgy would be the word maybe to describe it. But back then, you don't know why they'd be doing too many fa- favors for kind of stuff like Cassius Clay turned um, a lot of people sour towards him, but uh, it he he transcended kind of more than boxing. But when you look back now, he's still which is, which always surprises me. It's probably the only division where in boxing. Or maybe with the the kind of light, there's a few kind of when they look back, but he's not Muhammad Ali is 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 a saying, and you kind of go, but no one was because the, the closest thing I've seen to it is Tyson Fury, where he speaks well, the way he kind of handles himself out of the ring, he hasn't transcended because that's boxing isn't as big as it was back back in those um back a few decades ago, but he he's one of them that if you you can't imagine him having a, re- a really really tough fight, I know he's being defeated, but having a really tough fight and coming out with the win which is which is strange because usually when he had a tough fight he lost but the one with Floyd Patterson that's one thing that I would like to see in boxing fighting for just one title oh yeah um, they did have two fights but I know there's too much money in it and I know there's too many organisations there's too many jobs but they should uh, they should combine the, the divisions and because the number one prize in boxing no matter what weight you are because all the movies are based around the heavy, heavyweight the heavyweight title and maybe this year we get to see something that Floyd Pat- Patterson did in terms of We'll see just one heavyweight champion, and that could only be maybe for a couple of weeks. But maybe Anthony Joshua or Deont- Deontay Wilder, maybe Joseph Parker 
will go down in history as a as as one of the undisputed heavyweight champions. But that comes back to when you look at fighters like Muhammad Ali, Floyd pa- Patterson. It they they were the best when the best meant you were number one. That yeah. you were the best in the world. People say that Deontay Wilder's the best. Joshua is the best Tyson Fury is the best but if you have that one belt Muhammad Ali at one point was the best heavyweight in the world at one point Floyd Patterson was the best heavyweight in the world and people kind of say but there's no there's no but he held the title and he bet the best and that's what we want to see now so one thing that boxing could learn back when it was probably one of definitely the biggest sports in the world and it has kind of fell off a little bit and everyone knows that but that's just the modern the modern world but everyone knew who Muhammad Ali was and everybody would know if if it does happen this year, if Joshua does become the undisputed heavyweight champion, it might only last for a couple of weeks because there'll be mandatories and you'll have to drop titles and stuff like that. But that kind of history-making moment is something that you'd like to see in boxing because it doesn't happen enough. Winning a world title now isn't enough because you need unification fights and you need stuff like that. Back then, if you had that world title, you were number one. So it's interesting to watch fights back then. We've we've all seen the documentaries. Some of the, if you if you like your boxing. They don't. It doesn't even have to be watching fights. There's brilliant documentaries out there about Muhammad Ali. There's brilliant documentaries, brilliant books out there about the likes of Sonny List, and they're all brilliant. And if you like heavyweight boxing, particularly, there's so many books, so many documentaries that you can uh, that you can read, and you'll probably want to watch fights from back then when you after you read them or after you watch them because heavyweight boxing for me is probably the most um, it's steeped in history, and there's so many exciting times when you read about Sonny List and maybe working for the mob and stuff like that. It's just it's just a brilliant kind of. Um, it's so you won't look back on this era and kind of go do you remember Anthony Joshua and the story behind that you just go yeah he was he was heavyweight champion but when you look back now from where we are now a few decades ago there's so much stories so much kind of history and there's fights there that people need to see and it's brilliant when we have things like YouTube that you can go back and watch who, who knows someone who might listen to this might watch Muhammad Ali against Doug Jones or Cassius Clay, Cassius Clay sorry and uh, if you if you if you watch it try score it and see how you come out with it <laughs> yeah it's always a good one that trying to score a fight that was a controversial one um what I what I would say and a different question kind of sticking on the similar similar topic about on this day in boxing history if there was any particular boxing era that you would like to have lived through. Obviously not counting the recent ones where we, we know which we're in because we're living with them at the moment, but if there's anything, say, pre-90s, which which era would you have liked to have been able to live through to see? Yeah, 100% it would be the, the era of the heavyweights when it was when it was Foreman, when it was Liston, when it was um, Muhammad Ali, when it was Fraser, those kind of times, because that's when it was bigger than boxing. That's when it was, you couldn't go anywhere. Where, like, it was it was in the news. It was, everyone knew who Muhammad Ali was. And people knew him from the TV. I know my grandparents all know who Muhammad Ali was and wouldn't be big boxing fans. It's that kind of, you couldn't pick Joshua out from a crowd if you know nothing about boxing. Or you might not know the name if you knew nothing about boxing. But I guarantee if you said to some Muhammad Ali, someone would be able to go, yeah, he's a boxer yeah, or he's a true. fighter, something like that. He's known. He transcended the kind of, he transcended the sport. So that era where you're kind of the best fought the best and there was one title. We're never going to get that again. I don't think there'll never be one belt unless something drastic happens and all the promoters lose their mind and all the organizations lose their <laughs> mind and all want to join up in one. But there's too money now, too much money. But there was money back then. And we had the best. And it was those kind of times where the crowds they had, Rumble in the Jungle, like fights with George Foreman, those kind of fights with Frazier. And Muhammad Ali was the spearhead of all of it because he was bigger than the sport of boxing. He was bigger than boxing because he was a name, perhaps controversially as well, but was something, he was a good speaker. He was looked apart. But he was he was all that away from boxing. He had a good head on his shoulders and it was something, He he's 
he's one of them that you, you feel kind of robbed that you didn't get to see him that you didn't get to see him in his prime and it was sad yeah. that he did carry on so long but that era is one of them in boxing kind of the golden era especially in heavyweight boxing Definitely Especially those kind where it wasn't about money. They just wanted to fight each other. It's not about how much money have you got, how much money have you got, and how much, here's the flash car I have. Just straight down to fighting because that's what we want to see at the end of the day. We want to see characters and larger-than-life characters, especially when it came to Muhammad Ali, a larger-than-life character that's something, if it could go back in any time in boxing to just live through the peak of his career or the, the kind of the huge fights, the build-up, kind of soak it in, you, you'd love it. You'd love a press pass to, 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 to those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing, that one. Well, I'll give you mine anyway, because obviously I asked you that question for a reason so that we could stoke up this conversation. Now, mine, you, obviously the you know the 60s, sort of a la early 70s, is definitely I would agree with it but mine in particular was the 80s now I was born in the 80s I was born 86 so I'm like 32 this year but I wasn't you know old enough at the time to remember some of the big fights that happened during the 80s for me the 80s was a, a massive era not maybe in terms of the heavyweight so much because obviously at this point when we talk about Ali he, he sort of early 80s he had to retire he was a, a shell of his former self at this point and you had Larry Holmes taking over and, and being the big dog but then you had Mike Tyson who came along the reason I say the 80s is because of people like Mike Tyson when he came onto the scene and he was knocking everybody out for fun but not just the heavyweights the lower weight categories in the 80s were, were, were fantastic you know you had the likes of Sugar Ray Leonard Tommy Hearns Hagler Hearns there's so many fights that I could roll off the tongue where I think I would have loved to have been this sort of age that I am now and, and been in that particular era to be able to have enjoyed them the way everybody did back then because when you look at them and you watch the fights and you think about how much hype they were around them at the time it was just amazing and there were so many great fighters around and like you said you feel robbed because you never got to see Ali in his prime well, you know I, I I feel the same in terms of some of the fighters over the 80s Sugar Ray Leonard I would have loved to have seen Sugar Ray Leonard in the 80s when he was in his prime I would have loved to have seen how good the guy was because you can watch it on YouTube videos and if you've not watched these types of fighters already then to me you're not a fully fledged boxing fan and you need to go and watch him <laughs> but no people like Sugar Ray Leonard Tommy Hearns Roberto Duran the no mass situation the fights with, with Hagler Hearns like I've said earlier what a fantastic fight that was the three round war and then the, obviously Mike Tyson you know he, he lit the back end of, of the 80s up with it, with his fantastic sort of coming onto the scene, being the youngest ever heavyweight champion. Oh, wow. It was just, it was amazing. It was an amazing period of time for boxing where we'd had a bit of a lull. I think at the back end of the 70s, early 80s, it was a proper lull for boxing and it really came on sort of after 80, 81 onwards is when we really sort of got the big lower weight divisions coming into it. And, and for me, that was one of the, the ones that I wasn't old enough to be able to, to, to live through and remember, but I've been able to watch due to the beauty of V8. VHS tapes back in the day, VHSs, and then obviously you get your DVDs, and now you've got things like YouTube and social media to watch it on. So that's that's one for me that I would have loved to have really lived through in terms of being this particular age and being able to get press passes to that type of a fight. Imagine now when you think about it, imagine going and be able to go into a fight like Hagler Hearns and then going in and interviewing Hagler after the fight, or, or Ray or Ray Leonard and Hagler. That was a cracking fight, and I mean, just imagine you know that type of feeling to be able to go in and. and and interview these types of guys whereas now as much as I love doing what I do with uh, the Eat Sleep Box and Repeat social media outlet you know when you get to actually meet a guy that's really of high profile you don't get to meet him 
that much now because they're so well protected you've got your exclusivity of of social media outlets or boxing media outlets out there that there's only a select few that will ever get to get that close to them if you ever want to get that close to them you've really got to fight to do it because there's that many media outlets you know that are out there now so going back to my point really was i would have loved to have lived through the 80s and 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 done what i'm doing now essentially because i would have loved to have been able to see the fights live being able to even get the interviews and even if i was doing commentary for wow you know (laughs) these are the types of things you can only dream of so the 80s for me obviously the heavyweight area for you the 60s slash early 70s mid 70s two great areas there that that we'll never forget in boxing and again if you've not caught any of them areas then I'd, I'd, why, why are you listening to the podcast <laughs> why are you listening because these are the types of things we talk about on this podcast anyway I've gone I've gone off a little bit too long now with that because I've enjoyed myself talking about stuff like this because it's, uh, it's you know these are the types of things really close to, to me as a fan as well as uh, being a guy that likes to do the podcasts and the journalism side of things so I want to move on now and talk about what uh, the announcement was which we talked about only slightly a little bit earlier on when we referred to Mikey Garcia this week has been the announcement finally of Linares and Lomachenko on the 12th of May. So we haven't got long to wait for this particular fight. You know, it's only a matter of seven, eight or nine weeks, something like that. It's finally been announced. We knew it was going to be announced because there's been talks about it since Linares beat uh, Jorge Gesto. And we talked on, I think it was the first first podcast you did with us actually Carl uh, and we talked about it yeah. then and we talked about it in detail and now we're going to talk about it again because it's finally been made and we're finally going to get to see what people will say as two elite fighters going one on one and when you talk about there being one belt in the division and these fights never really get made this is one that people want to see this is probably one that people have been vying for and now we're getting it so Lomachenko we wanted to see him fight Rigondo and he got that fight, and he won that fight, and now people wanted to see Linares Lomachenko, and now we're actually getting it. So that's one thing that boxing does do for us sometimes. It does give us them fights that we want to see, but it doesn't happen enough. So Linares Lomachenko, this is a fight that I feel is going to be quite pivotal to the particular division, which is the lightweight division, because obviously Lomachenko's the one at the moment which everybody's talking about. They're putting him in the top five, if not the top three pound-per-pound fighters. Linares, you said it earlier, you know, I don't think he's... He's over the hill just yet because he has had some great performances and some great wins as of recent times. What do you think is going to happen in this one? How do you think it's going to play out? Do you see Linares has enough left to maybe beat Lomachenko or do you just think Lomachenko's that damn good? I do think Lomachenko is that good. It'll be probably his... Rigondo fight didn't live up to anywhere near what we thought it would, but um, this will be his biggest test to date. Linares, he's he's no by me. He's no means. He's not over the hill. It's just he's nearly fifty fights on the clock now, and you're kind of looking at it in Lomachenko's coming up, uh, the younger, fresher fighter. And will that tell on the night? Will Lomachenko kind of could, could he stop him late? Like we've seen Linares have off nights, and he looks like he could he could uh, he could lose it. But Linares is a composed fighter, and by no means past it. I don't think he's past it by any means. It 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 just feels like he's coming in with someone who is gonna be a huge star in boxing. And don't want to say past the torch kind of thing. Linares was was a good name. He was never a huge name in terms of uh, pay-per-views or in terms of selling out arenas across the world. But I think Lomachenko is that is gonna be that good. I think he is that good, and. The only person I could see beating Lomachenko would have to be Garcia. And for the fan in me, I'd like to see Lomachenko come true so we can see that fight. It's good to see top-ranking Golden Boy working together, even though they've had issues in the past. But it's good to see them working together to make 
huge fights and Lomachenko is going to be in those fights that we want to see we wanted to see the Ricondo fight didn't live up to it and you'd be hoping the Linares fight does live up to it but I think Linares is a warrior um, he's not going to go, kind of he's not going to want to pass the torch he's going to put the performance in that we know we can and I think if Lomachenko turns up on the night in his best fashion I think he'll beat I think he'll beat Linares but it's it's I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not it's not a pass to the torch for me. But it, it depends how it goes. If it was a bad beating for Linares, he might go. Do you know what? I, I don't have this for this division. I don't have it for boxing anymore. But one of those huge fights that if you're a boxing fan, you're really looking forward to. A bit like the Rigondo fight, um, a huge a huge fight that might have kind of for certain people not been a big fight, but it was huge if you knew about boxing because that's Rigondo you wanted to see. He was always being avoided. And then that kind of fell in the tires, that fight, a little bit. But I think the Linares fight and the Lomachenko fight, given that they've kind of had a bit of back and forth, you like to see the spike coming out of the two of them as well. It kind of adds to it. But it's great to see promotional companies actually putting differences aside to make the proper fights for boxing and the fights we want to see. And it's one of those fights that we really want to see and hopefully leads on to, if it is going to be Lomachenko that comes through, and that's how I do see it going, the, the, the next fight is, is probably the fight I'd look forward to. In my own opinion, the fight I'd look more forward to more than any other, just in terms of boxing. I think it's it, it has everything in terms of, and the fight I'm talking about is Garcia and Lomachenko. But first, Lomachenko has to come through Linares, and if Linares, he's not going to have it, he's not going to make it easy for Lomachenko, but uh, if Lomachenko turns up the way we know he can, I think he's, I think he's going to put a, put a beat on Linares. Well, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a great fight, no matter what happens, I think. I don't think it's going to be a boring fight to watch. I think they both got uh, exemplary skills uh, when it comes to boxing, and I think we will see a very interesting fight. I think a lot of people will go for Lomachenko in this one, but it's it's, diffi- it's a difficult one. I-, I can't really make a prediction because I've seen how Le- how good Linares is, and I've seen how good Lomachenko is, and I-, I find it difficult for people to write Linares off because of how good he is. I think people are basing this over the fact that like you say he's had a lot of fights and a lot of miles on the clock performance against Kevin Mitchell wasn't fantastic but people are still dwelling on that for some reason because he's come back and he's beat Crawler twice uh, and obviously he beat Gaster uh, as of recent time he's made the fights easy for himself he never looks like he needs to get out of anything other than second gear in a fight so we hopefully we might see the best fight, you know, the best fight of Jorge Linares' career coming up. So we'll just see what happens. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. We'll talk more uh, an in-depth analysis nearer the time when it comes, but I just wanted to bring it up on the podcast because it's a huge announcement this week. We had huge stuff going on last week, and now this week we get this, which is fantastic. May, as a whole, is looking very, very attractive for boxing at the moment. We've got Linares, Lomachenko, we've got Triple G and Canelo. We've got Hay and Bellew. We've got Badu Jack and Adonis Stevenson. Uh, we've got Jamie McDonnell, uh, which is an announcement this week as well, fighting uh, against Neo Anue over in Japan. He's got some bollocks going over there, Jamie McDonnell. A lot of people are saying Anue is going to eat him alive, but I don't think people give Jamie McDonnell the credit he deserves. That's another announcement we've had this week. Jamie McDonnell going over to Japan. What do you think of that one? Yeah, he um, must have balls of steel. He's going in with a beast. But the only thing is, McDonnell, this, he, he goes to the Lions then and he's he's not afraid to travel. And I don't know why it's it's kind of surprising that people are surprised by him, but he, he just wants a fight. He wants to, he wants those big fights. He wants world titles. And he's he's got let's just he's getting a good purse to go to Japan to fight a new way and that's that that's that's a huge truth in it. But Jamie McDonald is there to win big fights. This is a huge fight and it's a really big ask. But you gotta show pure respect to someone who's willing to travel all the way to Japan for a really, really tough fight. 
and it's just something that will probably fly under the radar, but it's a fight I'll definitely be watching, more than likely be on a Sunday morning or something like that, oh, usually yeah. when they're in Japan, it's something kind of crazy like that, that it's in the morning time, but big, big ask. Well, I wouldn't be surprised, Jamie's huge for the weight, and he's, he's I think he's in the mood to shock the world, and I think it will shock the boxing world, and it would definitely shock the boxing world if he did come away um, with the win. But huge respect, and big respect to Eddie Hearn for... Um, for making the fight, I think anyway is one of them that's avoided. And but Jamie McDonald said, "No, I'm going to step up to the plate, and I'm going to give it a go." And we've seen we've seen Gavin, uh, his brother, recently put in a great performance. If Jamie puts in a great performance as well, who knows what he might come away with on the night? We can only wait and see. I just I can only applaud the guy for doing it. People are saying, "Oh well, I knew he's going to eat him alive." I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case. Yeah, he is. He looks a beast, and he looks a monster at the weight, and he looks like he's going to beat everybody in there. But you can never say never. And Jamie McDonald's already proven to us a few times that he can go to someone's backyard and beat him. Whether people think the uh, the fight he had was questionable, I can't remember the fella's name who he beat. The uh, the other Asian fella that he fought that his mind his his name completely escapes my mind. But he had two fight he had uh, two fights with him, and he beat him in both fights. The first one I think was the one that was a little bit more controversial. The second one was more clay cut and he's going over he's going over again he's going over to Japan he's going fighting a new A if he wins this and he beats a new A is he worthy of, of pushing his way into the top 10 pound for pound big ask but I don't think he will but you got to respect the bollocks on him because he's going in there with a beast a lot can be read into records and stuff but the stories and you read about anyway he's uh he is someone that i think has been avoided and mcdonald now is kind of he's getting to that age where he wants to make those life-changing fights it's a world title fight for him and if he's going in he's going in with a new way he's undefeated and i for me it's a huge ask and i don't think he pushed himself into the top 10 but he's gonna raise his profile something serious and maybe if he did come away with the win there's huge fights in the UK that can properly be made. And maybe they could build a card around Jamie McDonald, not just kind of, he's he's the other world title fight on a Joshua card, or he's the other world title fight on a Tony Bellew card, where he can kind of be built the way a lot of matchroom fighters deserve to be built, and not just kind of be the, the chief support in a, in a world title fight that maybe deserves to be to be a main event because if this was a main event if this was if this fight was happening in the UK it, it, it wouldn't sell out which is so unfortunate because it's a fight like this that for proper real boxing fans Jamie McDonald has a huge ask there but it's respect for um, res- respect for for doing it and he, anyway who was undefeated would he travel to the UK no obviously didn't fancy it but Jamie McDonald's going to you know what fuck it I'm going to go to Japan I'm going to see if I can beat him out there so if he came back with the win and I'll really be rooting for Jamie McDonald to pick up the win I think he deserves to come back as there and I think he deserves to be pushed the way a lot of fighters at Matrim deserve to be pushed because he's taken he's taken the risk that other fighters aren't and he deserves complete respect for that yeah, I totally agree. Well, we'll move on and let's look at this weekend's action coming up. There, uh, There's not a great deal of it, but I've picked out a few of the most notable fights that I believe are coming up over the weekend. So the first show that we've got, which is the Haymaker Boxing or Haymaker Ring Star Show at York Hall, Bethnal Green. And the main fight on the card is Matty Askin and Stephen Simmons with the British Cruiserweight title. A good fight. Really looking forward to this one. It's one that I've been waiting for for a little while with these two to get it on. Looking at you know what's going to happen in this particular fight it's quite interesting because see it's Steven Simmons he's a big puncher and he's a guy that could knock Matty Askin out and we've seen Matty Askin before in the past he has been vulnerable and susceptible to these big shots however Askin as of late is on fantastic form he's beat three undefeated prospects in his last fight he's getting anybody and everybody who's in there at the moment and he's just beating him and 
he's now got a fight with Stephen Simmons and this is a fight that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, the cruiserweight division in the UK is starting to actually bubble up a little bit and kind of, we have a Coley, we have Chamberlain and someone that we have had in the show previously is uh, Luke Watkins and I think this fight, once, I think Askins will come through once again, it's one of those, he's the fresher fighter but I don't think he hasn't got his, his, his work is no way but not cut out for him come, come Saturday night. It's a really, really tough fight but for me, I'm going to go with Askins but after this fight, I'd like to see maybe a Luke Watkins fight be made, or maybe maybe a chance for Chamberlain to get back in, or maybe a Coley will be will be next for uh, Askins. I think his next fight will be a huge fight, and um, it's really exciting to see the kind of the divisions that you kind of at times be guilty of not paying attention to. Like the cruiserweight division was always one for me that I always thought was very kind of yeah, it's there, but the names aren't there. But now it's really getting the kind of recognition. It's one of them divisions that I'd be excited to see, and we have a huge final in the World Boxing Super Series. But at, at a kind of a lower end of it, we're going to get to see probably prospects fight for British title. And there's names there, and someone I'd love to see get the chance again, as I said, was Luke Watkins. And who knows if um, Matty Askin will get a huge fight after this. But I think in with the likes of Luke Watkins or Coley or Chamberlain, he might have his work cut out for him a little bit. I think they're all, they could, Askin could be beatable for them. So it's getting exciting, and it's getting exciting, especially for the for the cruiserweight division, and a division that kind of falls under the radar. But it's great to see it on terrestrial tv channel five we all have it so you're going to get to see a great night of boxing it's one of them that you want to see it on free tv an exciting fight but one of them that i think Askin will come through and i think the tough fights are still yet to come for him very tough fights yeah i totally agree with what you're saying it should be a good night at that, that show uh, some good under undercard fights on there as well one of them with the return of joe joyce going in his third professional fight uh, against a nine and one and won in Donny Palmer. I wasn't expecting him to see him out that quick, to be honest. But I have mentioned this before in the past about his age. He want to push him on his career pretty quickly. Are we going to get this fight with Chisora on the Hay and Bellew card? I hope so. But let's concentrate on this particular fight. He's back. He's got his third fight. Is it me? Or is Joe Joyce's opponents getting worse? And I say that because... He has his debut against a tough guy like Ian Lewison, and then his last two fights are against people that nobody really knows. So, what what's going on there? I mean, are they just doing it for activity? Is it just to keep him active? You know, to kind of, kind of get his record up a bit. You know, pad it maybe a little bit. What what's the deal with that? I mean, I appreciate they want they want to move him on as quick as they can, but I've always I'm always a believer in. You start sticking him in with people who are not going to learn him anything. When he does come to the big fights with the likes of someone like Chisora, who's been in with a lot of big fighters, like Hay, and like Klitschko, uh, and obviously Dillian White, who's fighting Lucas Brown in a couple of weeks. What's that going to learn, Joe Joyce? Going to show him the grit and determination and the heart he needs to be in these big fights? I don't think it is. So I'm a bit surprised, to be honest with you, with this one. I do feel it's just an activity fight. I think it's just to get his record padded a little bit more, you know, so when he goes into another fight, he can say, oh, well, I'm 3-0 and or I'm 4-0. and But when you look at the record, you, other than Ian Lewison at the moment, you don't really see anyone notable enough to sort of say, well, yeah, he justifies putting him in against a Chisora because you think of Chisora's fights that he's had and who he's fought and there's, there's no comparison at the moment but again they obviously believe David A as always talks the talk and he believes that Joe Joyce is the man who's going to do well in the heavyweight division and they want to push him on but I, I don't think this, this particular fight is going to do a lot for him to be honest with you Yeah it's it, it's a strange one because they started out well with Ian Lewis and, and then we had the kind of exciting talk of Derek Chisora then you see him in kind of out again quickly. 
I know he, he didn't take any damage in his last fight, but in with Donny Palmer, I can't say I've heard of him. I think Joyce has a fight on the May 5th card, on the Hey Bellew card. He'll only be 4-0 then, so unless he's in with the likes of Chisora, he's just kind of be kind of just ticking along almost and you're kind of going at his age and the amateur experience he has maybe he could be pushed on a little bit quicker maybe they're just not ready to push him yet maybe David Hay has it too much on his plate but they have Richard Schaefer there as well who should be um, I'm not saying it's poor matchmaking who knows Donny Palmer coming in on Saturday evening and, and upends Joe Joyce I would be shocked but it's kind of one of them that You'd be thinking it's probably the biggest name they have there at Haymaker. You'd want to be getting him in fights that isn't against a 9-1. Maybe get him in with the likes of a Chisora, or if not Chisora, maybe a Sean Turner. Something like that. A name who's going to put it on him and see, as you said, John, if he has that heart, that grit, that determination to come through those fights. Or I can't see why they want to keep ticking along with him because there's a lot of heavyweights out there. Stick him in with a Gary Corner. Stick him in with someone yeah. that we can, we can get excited about. Stick him in with a Kevin Johnson or something like that. He, he needs a name, not these kind of tick-along fights. But I expect him to come through Saturday night because of just purely the opposition he's in with. Yeah, I do as well. And you just said it there, you know, people like Kevin Johnson, people who are at the back at the end of the career, essentially, but are still good enough to give them a little bit of a test, to give them something different with all the experience you've got. And, and that's, it's a little disappointing at the moment, but I'm hoping that with all the talk of the Chisora fight, it'll happen. If it doesn't happen on the Hay Bellew undercard, that'll be pretty disappointing for me because you know we want to, we want to see a good card with Hay and Bellew, and it, at the moment it's looking a bit stretched thin. But what I want to see is a guy who, who supposedly is going to make waves in the heavyweight division start going in with people that are going to give him a fight. And you've mentioned a couple of names: Sean Turner, Kevin Johnson. There's plenty of others floating around in, in Britain and, and Europe that we could put him in with. Uh, they need to put him in. Uh, they need to put him in. That's simple as that for me. Yeah, he's ticking along nicely at the moment, but it's a three fights, and as you said, it seems to be that the names are kind of dropping off now. And with someone of his age, his amateur background, they need to be sticking a name on there, put him in with someone who is, is going to give him a fight. Maybe put him in with the likes of uh, the Gary Cornish. I know Kevin Johnson's coming off a loss, but you, you need to be pushing this guy because he's your biggest name. And if you're not pushing him, He's just kind of, for me, Joe doesn't have the kind of the personality to sell himself. So he, he needs the big fights. He needs the big names at this point of his career. Or otherwise, he's just kind of coasting. Well, otherwise, he's going to end up like Audley Harrison, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's what I can see happening personally at the moment. I, I don't want him to happen. I want him to be successful. I want him to do well. And I want to see Joe Joyce come a potential opponent for one of the big names in the division in the future and you know is he 30 is he about 31 32 or something like that i think he is of that age yeah well there you go so he needs to be with someone soon anyway i expect the win on saturday night and we'll see what they get lined up because i'm pretty sure in the post-fight interviews we'll hear from david hay and we'll hear what they've got lined up and i'm hoping they're going to announce that he is fighting Chisora after that one, so we're going to see what's happening. But like I said, there's not a lot of um, not a lot of fight fights over the weekend. You know, there's a few local shows going on up and down the country. One over here in the northwest, quite a few going on. There's a couple over uh, in America, which a couple of notable fights, which I'll mention quickly, which is uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez 21 and 0 versus Amir Imran for the WBC Super Lightweight title. So that's probably one to catch over the weekend. Uh, and then there's also Alexander. I think it's Gvertsik. 
Gvez. I can never pronounce these sort of Eastern European names. <laughs> he's 14 and 0. He's fighting Mehdi Amar for the interim WBC light heavyweight title. So there's two fights there you could probably catch up with over the weekend uh, if you've not already heard of these. I would probably suggest to get it because at the end of the day, there's a super lightweight title on the line, WBC super lightweight title, and there's a WBC even though it's an interim, a light heavyweight title on the line. So it's probably worth catching these over the weekend as well. One of the fights that I seen that was notable over the weekend, or one of the fighters that are returning on Saturday night, is the Nordic Nightmare, Robert Hellenius, is back in action as well, uh, after his disappointing performance against Dillian White. He's back, he's decided to come back, and I was very surprised to see that he's back on a card on Saturday night, because I thought, after that disappointing performance he put on, I thought I'd probably be the end of him, to be honest with you. But, surprisingly, he's back in action, and there, there, there you go, there's a name, Robert Hellenius, Joe Joyce. But yeah, put him, in, put him in with Joe Joyce. The guy he's fighting on the weekend is just a losing record, so he's he's obviously looking at making a comeback Alanius himself, so why not whack him in with Joe Joyce, two big two big guys that stick him in on the if you could get Alanius to cancel his fight and then you could give him a huge uh, a huge paycheck for May fifth, that, that would make sense, but I don't think Helenius covered himself in glory the last time he was on British television, so maybe he might sour a few people, but it's one of them that he's a name. And he's a tough opponent, so it's, why not stick with Joe Joyce? Maybe that's one that could happen at uh, some point this year. Yeah, well, I, when I was just reading through it then, and I was just looking at his name, I was thinking, hang on a minute, we're just talking about Joe Joyce needing to fight a, a well-known heavyweight. Robert Hellenius is a well-known heavyweight. Whilst he's not done anything of note other than win the European heavyweight title and had a fight with Chisora, which he lost, but he was given a decision, he's not really done anything, anything else, but he's been in with Chisora, he's been in with White, he's been in with no names in the division. And that's the type of measuring stick that I think Joe Joyce needs. So yeah, Robert Hellenius is back on Saturday night. Hopefully we might see him. And we might see Joe Joyce fight him. We never know. So that really wraps it up for the weekend's action. There isn't really anything more notable going on over the weekend in terms of boxing. Probably hope, well, I hope we should see some decent announcements over the weekend after some of the, the fights that have been going on. But I want to bring it into the final stretch of the show and the final segment of the show and it's St. Patrick's Day next weekend uh, or this weekend and I wanted to give this little last bit of the show a subject of discussing some of the greatest Irish fighters that I've ever been and we was having this conversation before we went live on the podcast because you you reminded me that it was Paddy's Day this weekend and I'd, how could I forget because there was a Paddy's Day parade in Manchester on Sunday and it's going on all the way up until next weekend and there's a lot of Irish contingent here in Manchester and everybody comes out even if they're not Irish they just like to come out and get pissed so it's always a good it's always a good night when you when you get the same Paddy's Day coming on but going on to the subject at hand greatest Irish fighters and, and greatest Irish fights that we've seen over the years involving Irish fighters the first one for me that springs to mind and probably one of the most famous ones here is Mickey Ward obviously he had his trilogy with Gatti which is the one that everybody talks about as one of the greatest trilogies of all time, if not the greatest trilogy of all time. But Mickey Ward, for me, is the one that stands out in my mind. Obviously, I'm not I'm not an Irish guy, so over, over in Ireland, you've got so many other different fighters that you would have supported and followed over the years. But I remember back in the early 2000s when Mickey Ward was fighting Gatti, and I remember the fights, and it was such good fights that they had. And then obviously they've turned it into the film later on down the line, and, and you know, Mickey Ward 
uh, he's one of them guys that I do feel, I don't know about what how you feel about this, but I feel like he did transcend Irish boxing a little bit more over that period of time that we was in, because I don't think there was a lot of Irish fighters around the, you know, the, the late 90s, early 2000s. I know there was a couple, but there wasn't sort of the same amount that we have today in today's age. So he was one of the standout ones for me, because we'd had people like... I know you'll probably mention it, Steve Collins, who'd finished his career at this point, and you still had people floating around like Bernard Dunn. Wayne McCulloch, I think, was sort of coming to the end of his career not long after that. So there wasn't a lot of Irish fighters floating around at this time, and Mickey Ward was the one that stood out to me. Probably my personal favourite uh, Irish fighter of all time. But I'm gonna I'm gonna switch this over to you now because you've probably got a lot better knowledge of of, of this than me and the amount of fighters that there are or have been in in, in Ireland or from Ireland. Uh, so give us your best Irish fighter, your greatest Irish fighter in your eyes, and then can you give us the greatest fight involving an Irish fighter? Best fight probably would be the Mickey Ward fights. I know he's American Irish, but that's something. I think if you're representing Ireland, I think if Ireland is the is the country you're gonna represent, a very patriotic country we a good fighting country is something that will always be known for the fighting irish but um very proud nation and when any any irish fighter is uh especially in kind of combat sports especially boxing we really get behind them but there's been great nights here in the national stadium steve collins in the 90s his his fights with chris eubank and ben, the, the, those kind of fights they, they're remembered and you, you you talk to people of a kind of a certain age when if you if you ever talk about boxing you'd be surprised if they didn't come up with a story of steve collins or where they were when steve collins bet eubank because that was an upset a huge one and he almost transcended the sport for himself in this country he's always a name everyone will know who Steve Collins is his son is boxing now as well Steve Collins Jr and it's we're a very patriotic country as I said when it comes to when it comes to fighting even when Floyd or when Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather it was we supported Conor McGregor from the pure fact that he was Irish and we kind of get riled up when it's a kind of when it's a fight. We've had great, we've had great fight as Wayne McCullough, as you said. We have Katie Taylor at the moment, but there's yeah. a lot more coming through on the Irish scene, which is exciting to see. Paddy's day at the weekend. We have Michael Conlon, and um, he he fights again in the states, and he's just teamed up with Adam Boot. So exciting stuff is expected of Michael. Probably after Katie Taylor, probably the most exciting kind of Irish fighter we have. And then we also have the likes of. Gary Spike O'Sullivan, who's on the verge of, for me, looking like he's going to get a big fight in middleweight division. It could, it could be uh, Lemieux, which would be a great fight after coming off the, the Billy Joe Saunders fight. But I think big things respected. He's after signing with Golden, with Golden Boy, and I think Irish boxing, Irish boxing goes through kind of a little bit roller coaster. When it's really good, it's really good, and then it dips. I remember after Bernard Dunn, he won his world title, and I always remember that night because it was the same day Ireland won the the Six Nations, and it was kind of a day for Irish sport. And Bernard Dunn had a had a, had a, an epic battle in the in what was the O2 at the time with um, a Panamanian fighter who I can't remember the name off the top of my head now, but it was one of them that I was jumping out, jumping up and out of my seat. It was it was it was so exciting, and you just wanted him to get over the line. And that's one thing I will say: if you can ever get it on YouTube, get it. It's 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 a brilliant brilliant fight. If you if you if you like your kind of classic fights, it's one that'll excite you to to your core. If you're a boxing fan, you have to see Bernard Dunn winning the world title. The atmosphere comes through the television. I'll always remember always remember that fight. Yeah, it was Cordoba. Such an exciting fight. Probably the one I remember most from Irish boxing growing up, and that was it was around the time when I really started getting into boxing. I always watched it, but I really really kind of caught the fever then. And Bernard Dunn was one of the reasons. Such an exciting fight and one that I'll definitely be watching on YouTube because I'll always remember that fight. But Irish boxing's coming through now and it's exciting to see the likes of Conlon. I, I don't know what I was saying in the podcast. I'd like to see a big Irish show here, but we have kind of small hall shows, but we have 
exciting fighters like Niall Kennedy, who I'll be interviewing in the coming days. He's barred with the likes of Anthony Joshua. He has a great backstory. He's um, he's with Dropkick Murphys out in um, out in Boston, but he lives here in in Ireland, and he's a heavyweight and he's eleven and oh. A lot is expected of him this year and can push on. He's the he's the New England heavyweight champion and the Massachusetts heavyweight champion. So he's sparred with the likes of Joshua and you'd like to see maybe Niall get the chance on an English card to show what he's all about. And we have other fighters, we have exciting amateur prospect who's turned over, Ray Moulet, who actually, he's defeated, I don't know if you've seen the um, the Kazakh new signee with Matchroom, who was uh, the next world beater, who can't remember the Yelenisov Ye- or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's yeah. been beaten by, by, by Ray Moulet. Ray Moulet is, um, he's undefeated as well, I know, and he's boxing. See, the only thing is, a lot of Irish fighters that are coming through at the moment, if they're not boxing on small show here, because everyone knows the backstory with, with boxing in this country, it's sometimes tarnished with kind of gangland stuff and stuff like that. So a lot of fighters go and box in America, but it's a great chance to build pro- profile over in America and then come back here with, with the likes of maybe, a, like you, like Noel Kennedy got picked up by Anthony Joshua when he did sparring with him. That's just a great opportunity for Irish fighters to kind of grow in the UK. Anthony Joshua tweeting out a picture with him. People want to know who Noel Kennedy is, and I'm looking forward to interviewing him. But Irish boxing's probably in the best place it's been with being in for a long time. We've seen Sean Turner recently go over to the World Boxing Super Series and give Hergovic a, a good fight. And Hergovic is no, he's, he's, a lot is expected of him. So... As a people, we're, we're willing to fight. And one thing I would say was the Conor McGregor thing. When you kind of look back on boxing history, that will be remembered. It was a huge occasion here in the, in Ireland. And he's he's another one of them that, he, if you're a patriotic Irishman, he does kind of get you, get you excited. And he gets you kind of wanting to fly your tricolour out your window <laughs> and that kind of stuff. So weekends like Paddy's Day is also a kind of thing. On It's probably the biggest national holiday that you'll find across the world it seems to be celebrated by everyone as you said Sean in Manchester there's a big Irish contingent and there's a lot of people out celebrating but I think Irish boxing is at a point now where it should be celebrated and we've Katie Taylor going for her um, her unification bout on April 28th which is which is exciting because what Ireland needs is world champions and we've had world champions like Steve Collins Wayne McCullough and we've had exciting fighters as you said Mickey Ward we've had Kevin McBride beat um, Mike Tyson and it's whether you're Irish American across the board or any of that kind of thing if you represent as Irish you're going to have a huge following Jamie Conlon is a, is a perfect example of that has a huge following is never in a born fight another person that I'd say if you wanted to watch some classic fights exciting fights Jamie Conlon is someone that you should put up on YouTube I remember being at a, the National Stadium one night working uh, for a website and just it was one of them that I forgot why I was there I was just so engrossed in his fight he was knocked down it looked like it was done for him he's badly cut body shots were were kind of um, were, were his kryptonite that night but he came back to get the win and that kind of those nights where the atmosphere is there, it's nice and warm in the in the national stadium. But you're watching Irish fighters, and Irish fighters are are always in good fights. I don't want to say always, but you're going to see some exciting fights. And if you go down through the history, it's such a famous sport in this country, and it's one of those sports in this country. You'll see that every town, most towns, will have a soccer team, a rugby team, a GAA team, and usually a boxing club. So that's that's one of those things. I don't know if you have that in the UK, but here it's kind of, it falls in line. We have rugby, GAA, soccer, and I'd say MMA is coming up. That's purely because we've had a lot of Irish fighting in, uh, in MMA recently, but boxing is still a huge sport in this country, and it's exciting to see things like Katie Taylor doing well, Michael Conlon doing well. You just hope they can do it on these shores as well because you won't find a better crowd than the Irish crowd, and I know you might disagree with me on that one, Sean, but the Irish crowd, when they have an Irish when they have someone they can back, when they can't have someone in a real fight, you won't find a better crowd. You won't find a more passionate crowd. You probably won't find a more kind of, when it comes to boxing, maybe up there with the Scottish, when it comes to a good fight, 
that's that's something they love and something they're really always going to get behind because it's kind of in our blood. It's it, it's a fight nation. So one of those that it's I'd be a proud Irishman and I'm proud to see the likes of Katie Taylor, Michael Conlon, Roy Ray Millette. It's, it's we have a great amateur setup here and we it's boxing's only going to do really well in this country we have a great amateur setup and we've had problems at the amateur level as well with the main coach billy walsh leaving but that's on the way back up now and we always do well it's in the olympics it's our most it's it's our most successful sport so it's something that we're good at and something that maybe needs more investment from the government here because if you're good at it you should get the funding for it so We've had guys like Michael Carruth win gold medals. We've had Katie Taylor win gold medals. You've had Michael Condon almost screwed out of a medal we've heard this week that it, it could have been fixed. So they're names and they're doing well out in with the likes of Matchroom or Top Rank. You just love to see it come here. And I always say that if you get a big card in the Tree Arena or perhaps maybe Crow Park, a big fight night, whether it's MMA, whether it's boxing, but more boxing, you're going to sell it out a few times over because the Irish love a fight and they love watching fights. That's why uh, the fight in Irish is, is something that uh, they're very passionate about when in, in, in America as well. They're very passionate as well when it comes to Irish Americans. So when you see the likes of Mickey Ward, we see the likes of uh, Heather Hardy, um, who has an Irish, um, Irish in her who's doing well uh, in boxing and in MMA. So I think we take great pride in anyone who wants to represent our country and we take great pride when it comes to combat sports because for me we're one of the best at it so it's 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 a nice thing to talk about on the show because it does mean a lot to people like myself or anybody who follows boxing in Ireland and it's it, it's something that we want to see boxing in this country do really well and we want to see it get back to, to, to the days where it was like Steve Collins and we could be excited for um for huge shows and huge world title fights. Yeah, and the, and this is it. You know, everything you've said there is um, speaking like a true passionate Irishman because at the end of the day, like you say, the fans over in Ireland are very, very passionate about any sport that they follow. And we've seen that when we do see the crowds and we do see the fights over in Ireland and we do see the following that they bring in. You go over to America and you watch the big fights over in America where you've got an Irish-American involved in it and there's a massive following. There's always a massive following because you've got a lot of other Irish-Americans over there as well that have got Irish, obviously Irish blood or the the parents are Irish or the grandparents are Irish and they've emigrated over to America or whatever it may have been. There's so many of the Irish contingent scattered in America. There's a lot over in Manchester and Liverpool over this side as well. And, you know, when, when come fight night, there's always a big crowd. And, and that's yeah. the, and that's that's what I love about it. And I love everybody comes together. Everybody comes together to support the fighters. And you've mentioned so many names, and the, there's so many names that here that we can we can sort through. There's there's your Steve Collins, Paddy Barnes. You've got Andy Lee. We've got previous fighters in John Duddy, Kevin McBride, Bernard Dunn, Brian McGee was 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 quite well known on the British scene as well. He did a lot for British boxing in terms yeah. of the, the the level of opposition. You know, he fought. Um, you, you've got. I mean, you've got the Manchester Mexican, Michael Gomez, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's from Irish descent. He, he was in a great fight with Alex Arthur a few years back where he beat Alex Arthur. And you've got Eamon McGee. Yeah, there's, there's just so many to go through that we can talk about. You've mentioned... You've, you've, you've Matthew Mack and those kind yeah, of guys. And yeah. One, if you want to know about Irish combat sports or anything like when it comes to an Irish crowd or anything like that, watch, I know it's a boxing podcast, but watch when Conor McGregor fights. Watch the kind of the passion that the Irish people have towards kind of when it comes to combat sports. And you'll see they kind of almost take over because they are so loud. They are so passionate. They'll sing all night, but it's because they've seen the likes of maybe Andy Lee, Bernard Dawn, kind of we had Willie Bang Bang Casey, those kind of fighters that like 
they've put on great nights and maybe Willie Bang Bang Casey was was one of them who he had a little run and it was exciting and it's one of those fights one of those guys that I always look back on it would be a huge name to a lot of people but he was, brought so much excitement when he had such like fights he hit like a fucking train and he had huge big nights in the national stadium so as you said Sean it, it, it it's Irish boxing and Irish combat sports goes back a long long way and I feel like it's coming up again and you just hope it continues yeah, I, I hope so, and I hope um, that all this issue gets sorted with the uh, MTK Global, obviously boycotting the Irish media. And I hope all that gets sorted as well, because there's, there's, you know, like yourself, you're very passionate about what you do and 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 the articles you write and the podcast episodes that we do. And it'd be a shame for for a lot of aspiring journalists and aspiring people that want to do a similar thing to be kind of boycotted by certain you know promotional companies because they've had issues in the past with with certain outlets. It seems a shame to for these types of things to be happening, but it doesn't put people down. At the end of the day, people will always find a way of getting their opinions across and that, that's the freedom of speech I suppose I I, I wanted to celebrate St Paddy's Day today, uh, I've got Irish descent, it's not a direct, I think it's great, I think it's my great grandparents came over from Ireland uh, my, my my name's spelled S-E-A-N it's spelled the Irish way, the traditional Irish way yeah. of spelling Sean and not the English way of spelling Sean that's because we've got Irish background in, in, in our family as well and, and whilst I don't traditionally celebrate St Patrick's Day, it is an enjoyable event and I wanted to touch on the subject because there's there's so many great Irish boxers out there that don't always get the credit they deserve because they don't get themselves into the mainstream for whatever reason or they don't have the same backing but you've got people like you've said Michael Conlon which we you know we didn't actually mention a little bit earlier because he's actually fighting on Saturday night on one of the undercards of the uh, fights that I think we've mentioned earlier so I will be watching out for Michael Conlon because he's one that has always grabbed my attention since being in the Olympics and since obviously being screwed out of a medal and ever since then ever since that infamous flipping the bird at the judges that's the controversy that he's created and and people want to see what he does now and how he does in his career and the same controversy people like Conor McGregor create and that's what I love about it. There's, there's no short, there's no shortness of controversy when it comes to, to to Irish fighters because they wear their hearts on the sleeves, and that's that's for me personally. That's something I've always loved about the, the the fighting style of Irish fighters coming over and bringing the contingent with them. So yeah, obviously happy St Patrick's Day for all those Irish fans that are going to be listening. And uh, I don't know what you're doing this weekend, Cahill, but have a great weekend, of course. And if you're going out and having a few pints of Guinness, or you're going out and just getting absolutely slaughtered. <laughs> have a great weekend and obviously enjoy it because it's a great event and it's just a shame that there's not that many of these events going on throughout the year I mean we've had petitions over here for like St George's Day and you know I don't I don't think anyone would be even that bothered about the actual historical re- relevance of it they'll just be more interested in getting a public holiday to, a day off work to be honest with you but but yeah, no, yeah we, say- get, we get Monday off work because Paddy's Day falls on a falls on a Saturday but we need to get you over here Sean for, on, a, on a Paddy's Day and you get to see what it's really like I know I'd love to come over you know what I've never I've never been and shame on me for not being being over there and I will get over there because it's a place I've always wanted to go I've, I've always been to sort of Irish theme nights or I've been to Irish bars traditional Irish bars that is that they have over here where we've got people that have come over from Ireland open their own bars and I've been there and it's great atmosphere great night everybody has a good night you know there's no <laughs> there's, sometimes there's a fight at the end of the night but that I don't I don't think that wouldn't be a typical night out in an Irish bar if there wasn't to be honest with you <laughs> but let's get back 
back to, to sort of closing this show up. I wanted to sort of touch on St. Paddy's Day and celebrate the fighters coming out of Ireland this week. So it's been a great episode again as usual. Not as much fights to talk about this week because of the lack of boxing going on. But it's been a great episode to touch on some of the boxing history stuff. Some of our opinions about areas we would have loved to have lived living through. Uh, and obviously the uh, St. Paddy's Day celebrations that are going to be going on this weekend. So uh, I'd like to wrap the podcast up. And as always, you know where to follow us now. You know where it is. It's at BTR Boxing Pod. Just want to touch on a little note on that subject. We, I've had this conversation with you off the podcast. But there is another podcast out there called Beyond the Ropes. And it's a London-based podcast. And they uh, they brought us up in a tweet on social media this week uh, because there was an issue with another media outlet who'd uh, someone had set up the same name as another media outlet and they was having a bit of a conversations between each other so to speak and we got we got tagged in this one this week and what 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 happened with this particular situation was that um i've mentioned this to them but they never replied i don't i don't know if they listen to the podcast or not i don't know maybe they have a little listen you know see what's going on on this podcast maybe if they ever do i'd just like to say that um we, we never actually i never set this up knowing there was another Beyond the Ropes podcast out there because when I set it up I wasn't on Twitter I didn't have a Twitter account for Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast and I didn't even think about doing a Twitter account initially when I set it up I set it up with the intention to go around and try and get as many local fighters on the podcast as possible until I was able to get someone like yourself called to come on and do a weekly episodic show to be able to discuss all of boxing across Britain and across the world so I never knew that so when the introduction was made and all the artwork was done and I was never on Twitter and then when I set it up on Twitter as soon as I set it up uh, that's when I realised there was another Beyond the Ropes podcast out there so I changed the name slightly to Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast but there was a lady on there by the name of Sam Khan who I believe does some writing for some different places and websites who, who she said it right and she said at the end of the day competition brings out the best in all of us in terms of what we deliver on a weekly basis to fans and I, I like to think that since you know we've been doing this as a duo we've we've really raised the bar and we've really given people something to listen to every week where they think oh yeah you know what i'm looking forward to listening to that this week when you're stuck in work or you're stuck on a commute or even if you're stuck in a traffic jam in the car and you're listening to the opinions of of people like myself and yourself talking about some of the favorite things we like to discuss it, it brings me great pleasure to know that people listen to it and it's been great to see the upturn in the amount of people that have started listening to the podcast and in the next coming weeks we'll be striving to get you as many interviews as possible so keep listening uh, keep going on social media keep sharing the episodes that we put out because that is so vital to be able to get that reach out there especially when you have other podcasts out there that uh, are, are doing just as well and they want to deliver exactly the same goals as what we want to deliver so please keep doing what you're doing share it across social media uh, if you want to ask any questions tweet us email us at beyond the ropes boxing podcast at gmail.com we've had a, a boxing wish list episode a couple of weeks ago i'm considering putting another poll out on twitter maybe for another great episode a subject relevant episode we can talk about in a few weeks time maybe after some of the big fights have been and gone so i'll probably put a poll out maybe in about a week's time to see where we go with that one but everybody you know keep doing what you're doing if you're enjoying listening to it 
let us know you're enjoying listening to it it's nice to hear from people it's nice to get that feedback from people there's a gentleman by the name of Paul Cuff uh, he goes on the fo- Facebook Beyond the Robots Boxing Podcast Facebook page and he always leaves feedback and that is really appreciated Paul so when you do listen to this episode thank you very much because you always go out of your way to give us some feedback and some credit so thank you for that and thank you to everybody for listening to it Paul I'm going to always give you the final word anything you want to touch on just before we call it a day no 100% completely agree with everything you said Sean um, uh, I think the name of a podcast doesn't matter I think if you enjoy boxing I think you should be that's the main thing and I think I think we put across a good product and I think we're both excited about what we talk about each week and whatever the name of the podcast I think each week you're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna strive our best to give you the best show we can and that's all we can uh, all we can ask for is if you give it a like give it a subscribe and uh, share it around as much as you can if you're if your friends or anything are, are big into boxing why, why, why not uh, share the episode with them and they might get into it themselves and it's something that as I said me and Sean both enjoy both enjoy doing each week and it's it's an exciting thing and it's, it seems to be getting a, a bit bigger each week and it's it's exciting times ahead and we have plenty more coming up and the boxing calendar is getting a getting a little bit more full over the next few weeks so we're, we're not going to be short of things to talk about and as, uh, as sean said we're going to strive to get more interviews on the show and and stuff like that so uh we, we want to make each uh, episode a, a not miss and i hope we're doing that already for you yes that's it thank you very much everybody uh, for listening or downloading or however you listen to it thank you very much because it's really appreciated uh, if you do want to find ourselves on twitter it's at sean basto esbr or at 14 cohol you can get us you can tweet us you can chat to us any boxing related talk get on there give us a shout out you know we'll look forward to speaking to you and that's the end of this week's episode thank you very much and we'll see you next week sports social podcast network with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.